Evans uh, that will be preaching for us. He is the Global Missions Director in the province of British Columbia, Canada. And so he will be here with us this evening. Amen. Excited for him to be here. How many is going to come to church tonight expecting God to do great things? There will be no service here on Wednesday night, and uh, we will. There is a special service for everyone to attend, and on Friday in Indianapolis at um, the convention center there, and they will have. This will be a bilingual service. So, if you have a cell phone, you can download the app Z E L L O. And uh, you wear some, uh, take some earbuds or headphones with you, and the, you can hear the service uh, translated from uh, uh, English to Spanish. And so that we're expecting a great time. This is going to be a miracle service, a Holy Ghost service on Friday night. I'm expecting hundreds of people to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm expecting hundreds of people to be healed and to be delivered and many miracles to take place. And I know it will be a little bit of a drive for you, but uh, it'll be good for you to get out of your little comfort zone and go to a place where there are going to be about 10,000 people or plus. And uh, this will be a great, great time at the Indiana Convention Center. And uh, we will post the address uh, this evening on the overhead if you uh, are, would like to go. Amen? Amen. Next. Sunday, the 29th of September, we're going to have a special service, so you'll want to be here, some special things. We have uh, Brother Mark, uh, we call him Marky, but Brother Mark Hattaball, and he's going to be preaching for us on Sunday night, amen? amen. I think they need a couple more people for peanut brittle, amen. How many was here for peanut brittle? How much did, did they make, Sister Megan? An entire bin, an entire container. Amen. I like that. That's awesome. And uh, I want to thank Brother um, Prentice for cleaning our baptismal. It looks spick and span and new. He worked hard and got all the black streaks and all the, he changed the water and it really looks nice. So we're, it's ready to, for bapti to baptize hundreds of people. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles and would turn to me with me to Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. I'm going to, to teach you this morning how to increase your faith. Luke chapter 17 verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Amen. I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that what is said today would go 
out and lodge in the hearts of those who hear, Lord. That their spirits would be strengthened, that they would understand and live a more fulfilled life as they walk with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated. How to increase your faith. In teaching or talking about or living the life of faith, it is important for people to understand that God has not blessed one person with more faith than he has blessed another. You might look at other people and say, well, they have great faith. I wish I was like them, or I wish that God would bless me like he has blessed them. I want you to understand that that's not what God does. He does not favor one over the other in giving out faith. Some might see someone prospering according to the word in their health and their finances and their family and so forth and so on. And they get the mistaken impression that God gives more faith to one person than he does another. I want you to know, the first thing I want you to know is that every believer has been given a measure of faith. Every believer has been given a measure of faith. The same measure of the God kind of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's God that gives the gift of faith to you. It didn't originate in you. It didn't come by some other means besides God. He gives the the faith to you. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. According as God has dealt to every man. Everybody say every man. And that is gender neutral meaning Every human being that believes God has given a what? Measure, the measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. That's a verse of scripture that you need to have underlined in your Bible. That God has given to everyone a measure of faith. So we know that faith comes from God. It is the gift of God. But he has given it to every believer. He has given every believer the measure or the same measure of faith. This is something that we have to really establish in our mind because we want to do this, meaning that we're, we look at other people and we, we really categorize in our mind that they're spiritual and I'm not so spiritual and I wonder how God, they got so spiritual. It is a measure of faith that God has given to everyone. And it's what you do with that measure of faith that really makes the difference. You see, because there is a cost to growing the measure of faith. There is a cost that's associated with growing your faith. And some people are not willing to pay the price to grow their measure of faith. Can I say it like that? Can you understand that there are, uh, there is a measure of faith and there are people that look at 
others that have received the measure of faith and say, I would like to be like them, but I'm not sure that I'm willing, they say this in their mind, to pay the price for the, that would cost to grow that measure of faith. So, and God has done this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It's not something that he is going to do. We're not trying to get faith. We're not praying for it. Amen? This is not something that's going to happen in the, in the, the mystical far off yonder, in that nebulous place someplace in the far distance. We have it. Every believer already has a measure of the God kind of faith. I really have to establish this in your mind. You see, God gets everyone started off the same way. He doesn't give one person more faith than he gives another. He gives to every man, every woman, every child, every believer the same measure of faith. Then your faith grows according to what you do with it. A lot of people have done with their faith what the fellow in the Bible did with his one talent in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 25. They just wrapped their faith up in a napkin, so to speak, and hid it. They haven't used it at all. They, they received this and they wrapped it up and they said, oh, this is valuable. Have you ever received something valuable and you wanted to place it in a safe or put it on a shelf or put it under some glass or, and, and it's not used? It's valuable only for its beauty to look at or it's, it's a memento or it has meaning to you because who owned it before? We have a lot of these things, uh, not so much in our house now, but I've walked through people's houses and they've got all these dishes and plates and things that, uh, and vessels of honor, but they're not, they're not practical. I can't go up to the shelf and say, I'd like to have a, a little bit of Coca-Cola or, or something, and I pull one of those, and they'd say, what are you why, why are you pulling that off the shelf? That's to look at. Well, I thought it was a vessel. You know, you poured liquid into it so you could drink it. And some people treat their, the gift that God has given to them, they, they place it on a shelf. Now, I'm going to say this. You know, when you come to church, you exercise your faith as you clap your hands and you raise your hands and you lift your voice. You exercise your faith as you pay your tithes and you give in the offering. Amen. That's a physical demonstration of the faith that is in your heart. The Lord Jesus talked often about giving and, and money because it is so very dear to us. And the association that combines together, it shows where he said, where your treasure is there will your heart be also. So it's up to you to do with the measure of faith that what you do with it, with that the measure of faith that God has given to you. Now, the second thing I want to really impress on our mind that this measure of faith can be increased. It can be increased. But you're the one that increases it, not God. You see, this is what the disciples they ask of the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. 
But they really didn't understand what was going on. He had already given them faith. It's time for them to take the faith and use it and grow it. Amen? Well, I think what a lot of us uh, have been uh, many times looking around for some supernatural strength uh, that to come to us. You know, we, we, there's an outlet up here, but don't, don't plug into it unless you, it's got 110. It'll, it'll light you up. But uh, some people think they can come up here and I'm going to come up and pray and God is going to miraculously give me more faith. Well, we don't have any plugs that you can get more faith. There are none up here. And you can pray all day long for faith, but it's not going to come your way. You have to exercise faith to make it grow. Now, we drove onto a farm yesterday, and this is the time of the year I like to go and pick apples. How many likes to pick apples? That's a fun thing to do with family, and we went over here to New Paris, and there's a little farm over there that have orchards and and we went and picked some apples. And they said, well, this group here is not ripe, and the, these are, and, and it's at different levels. And so uh, we pulled around in the truck, and Jesse said, you know, I, they, they need to clean up a little bit here. And I said, yeah, if my dad was here, it, it starts giving him, he'd say, why don't these folks clean up their, their farm? I've been driving down the road with him, and he said, that's a nice farm. And it was nice. It, everything was neat. The grass was mowed. It looked nice. It looked clean. And, and the buildings were painted. They, they were all standing up straight, and they weren't all leaning. You've been some of these farms are all leaning, you know. Hey, where are we going here? <laughs> and I said, yeah, if, I've never owned a farm, but I said if my dad was here, he'd say, they need to clean up a little bit. Yeah, make it tidy. It's supposed to look neat. Your farm should... And that's the way I look at some people's lives. They've not done anything with the faith that God has given to them. And I walk by and I say, they need to clean up their farm. They need to get their act together. It's hard. You know, it's difficult to, to use a tool if you put it away and it was broken and you say, I'll fix it later. And you never got around to fixing it. And then when you need it, you have to spend all that time to fix it. You know, it's better to put a piece of equipment away and it's still running and it's in good working order. Went out the other day and got my mower and said, who's been my mower? I said, well, it's okay to borrow my mower, but you should put some gasoline in it when you borrow my mower. Went out there to get my string trimmer. There was no string hanging out of it. I said, you can use my string trimmer. I'm okay with that. But make sure you put it back and it's got string hanging out of it. You didn't know I was going to preach on you, huh? <laughs> bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. <laughs> Amen. And that's how some people treat their faith. They come to church, they worship God, and they never think about the Lord or His Word the rest of the week. They put it away thinking it needs to be repaired, it needs to be advanced, it needs to, to some, some attention. You know, if you want your car to run, at, you know, the battery in your car lasts about five years and approximately. 
And one of these, you know, I just have a tendency, if I go out there and I say, oh, this battery's almost, uh, it's almost expired, I think I'll replace it. I don't wait till it's about 15 degrees outside, and I go out to your car and go, and that's all it does. I like to go out to my car and it starts. Why? Because I have done some preventative maintenance. Some people need to do some preventative, preventative maintenance on their faith. Because your faith can take a hit. The devil comes against you. That's why you come to the house of the Lord and you say, I'm going to increase my faith. I'm going to what raise my hands and worship God and believe Him for greater things. So, certainly God furnishes you the means whereby faith can be increased. But you increase your faith by doing two things. Feeding on the word of God, number one. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 119 and verse 11. And now you can say, well, so I don't sin by one of the gross sins of, that we would often categorize. But I would say that the worst sin that you could commit is unbelief. Because when you start up, uh, uh, down that path, it just takes you lower and lower and lower. But believing takes you higher and higher and higher. Amen. That's what we're talking about, increasing our strength. Feeding on the word of God and exercising it or putting into practice. Amen. The Bible very often uses natural human terms to teach spiritual truths. For example... This is how Jesus taught in his earthly ministry, as we can read in the gospel. Everybody turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Matthew 4 and verse 4. He said... But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. So it's the word, you know, the, the Bible you hold in your hands, whether it's electronic or a paper and ink version. It's the words that are powerful and affect, affect us. Amen. It's that powerful word that we hide in our heart. It's not a one-time experience of coming to the altar. That's an initiate, uh, initial uh, experience, and you build on that. I have I've met a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people. They come to the church, and they come once or twice or a week or so, and uh, then you don't see them anymore. I was just talking to Brother Charles. I said, Brother Charles, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're hanging in there. Amen? Some word, so word, word fell by the wayside. Some, some fell on stony ground. Some, and I said, it's good to see that you're not allowing the circumstances of life to destroy the initial faith that God placed in your heart. When you came to the altar, when you said, I believe, He placed an initial faith. And you have to guard and protect that faith. You know, sometimes your faith, uh, this is how, it, it, not sometimes, this is how it works. Your faith will grow at a different level or a different speed or rate 
of increase in other people's faith around you. And when your faith grows, you have to say, well, God bless you for what you're doing, but I'm going, this is the direction that I'm going. Amen? Amen. And I'm not going to stunt my faith because I, I, I want my friendship to, uh, I, I value my friendship more than my faith. Did, I, did that come out right? I want to value my faith more than my friendships. And that's not one I'm, I'm not saying that I cast my friendships aside. But some people will drag you down. Amen. And they'll sap the life right out of you because the words that they speak. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is how you gain insight is through the word of God. This powerful word. This word that gives us strength. So Jesus is using a natural human idea to convey a spiritual thought. He is saying to us that what bread is or food is to the body. The word of God is to the spirit. Or the heart of man. You know that if you eat food regularly, it will build you up physically. Yet if you eat but don't exercise, all you'll do is get flabby and out of shape. Amen. If, all you, if your exercise is going from the refrigerator to the recliner and back... I think I worked my wife a little too hard. She's a sweet, wonderful. But I, I, we got off the boat, and I said, ooh, look at that mountain. It looks climbable. I convinced her to take her hiking boots. and I took them, actually. She didn't want to take them. She said, all I want to do is read a book and, and rest. And I said, hey, but when we get up to, to Alaska, we'll want to get out and exercise and climb some mountains or some hills or a, a couple of bumps, anything. She said, I don't want to do that. And I said, well, I'm going to take a bigger suitcase because I'm taking your hiking boots with you. You know, you got to have good shoes. If you're going to go hiking, you don't take your running shoes. I've got some good expensive hiking boots. Yeah, I do. I've got, I, you know, you only got two feet. You got to take care of them. If your mobility is gone, then you're pretty much done for. So I, I took those good hiking boots and I said, let's go hiking. So here I am. I'm just charging up the mountain. I look back and I say, well, maybe I'd have better back it down a little bit. You know, I got her to one area and it's all shale. I mean, it's a pretty steep incline and it's slippery and we're up pretty high. And I said, I think you can make it. She said, I don't know if I can make it. And I said, well, I'll hold on to your hand and I'll pull you up with me. Amen. So there we were. You know, I pulled her up and I think we, we stopped after that. She said, I'm not going back down that way. I said, well, that's the path. That's how we have to go back down. She said, I'm not going down. Well, I couldn't leave her up there. I got to have her in my life. So I said, okay, I'm going to make a path. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. So I made a path. It was still pretty steep, but it wasn't all that shale. And I said, okay, you hold on to this branch here, and you hold on to that branch there, and you hold on to me, and we'll make it down. So. 
She said I was feeling that Davy Crockett spirit come on. <laughs> My mother always talks about being related to Davy Crockett. <laughs> how many how many generations removed are we, mom? Three? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. I think I used, I expended all my energy in that one mountain. Not me. So next day I said, hey, there's another mountain to climb. She said, well, I don't think we'll climb that mountain today. I said, oh, really? What are we going to do? You know, I, can't, I couldn't envision. I already had my day mapped out. You know, we're going to climb the mountain. We're going to come back down and have lunch. And then we'll see some sights. And she said, no, I don't want to climb that mountain. Really? You know, sometimes, and I thought, well, next year I'm going to bring my boys back and my boys will climb the mountain. Amen. And the girls will go shopping, I guess. With that $5 I'll give you. <laughs> Amen. Back to the book. Amen to the word. We're talking about increasing your faith. Hey, you know, merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Somebody says, if you can't laugh in church, where can you laugh? Someone said, the Lord had a sense of humor. I said, yeah, he was very earthy because he was talking to very um, uh, simple, earthy people, farming people. And he said, you know, you can't get a, a camel through the eye of a needle. Now, to us, that's... that's uh, that mean, really doesn't mean anything. But have you ever been close to running out of gas? Or how many has run, ran out of gas if you had that experience? It's not a fun experience, is it? You hear, and you coast over to the side of the road. Think, okay, now what? <laughs> I've, had the, I've had the wonderful experience of running out of gas. No, it's not wonderful. <laughs> Maybe that's a wrong use of words. I've had the harrowing experience because it was going to be a long way to walk of running out of gas and seeing the gas station and coasting right up to the pump. That was wonderful. I said, thank you, Lord. And he said, well, I didn't know if I had anything to do with that. <laughs> Next time, stop and get gas because that I had passed four or five gas stations where I should have gotten gas, but I was busy and I thought, well, I've got enough in there. You know, have you ever done that? You knew you needed to get gas, but you didn't get gas. Well, Jesus said it's easier than for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. And those farming people kind of chuckled to themselves because, you know, what they would do, a walled city, at when it, the sun got low and as it set, it's still light out, but they would close the gates of the city. And then the only way to get inside was this little door that you had to get down on your knees and you had to crawl through. And uh, nobody wanted to be left on the outside of the city with all your camels and all your stuff. And they were chuckling to themselves, yeah, I've been there, Jesus. <laughs> I, we were beating the horses trying to get to the city, but we didn't make it, so we had to camp outside, outside the wall. So it, it's okay to laugh. We're talking about increasing our faith. You know, your faith will not increase if you're in a bunch of anxiety and worry. I want to say that. 
God, God doesn't really work through your stress and your anxiety and your, your worry. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Someone talked to me about dreams yesterday and I said, well, mo the reason most Western cultures don't really value dreams is because they're go, 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 go. And I said, the only way that you can hear from God is to be contemplative. Won't you sit down and rest a minute and let your mind rest and hear the Spirit of God talk to you. But you go to bed with a phone in your hand. You wake up in the middle of the night and hear bloop, bloop, and all the noises, whatever sound or signal or chime you've got on your phone. And then you wake to check and see if anybody uh, texts you or I'm, message you or uh, puts something, your name on Facebook. I took all those notifications off of my... I just decided I, w I, I wasn't that anxious to hear from everybody. Does that, is that wrong for me to say it like that? I, I mean, in the old days, if you wanted to get a hold of me, I had a landline phone and you called me. And if I was there, I picked up the phone. If I wasn't there, I didn't pick up the phone. Nobody picked up the phone. And then we got these little lovely boxes that we called answering machines. You remember those? With the little cassette tape in there. And you'd go, the, if you, after the beep, beep. <laughs> and then you could go home and play it. Now people can get a hold of you 24 hours, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. There's no, there's no contemplative time. My phone is chirping all the time. I got messages all the time. Pastors wanting to talk to me and people wanting to talk to me. And hey, and I'm not the busy man that some people are. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. We want McDonald's kind of faith. You know, I, I really just don't have a hankering to go to McDonald's very often. I'm not here to bash them. They're a corporation, a good business, whatever. They, I just don't care much for their food. That's just me. If you like McDonald's, Lord bless you. Have at it. But you know, some people want McDonald's kind of faith. Take your order, please. Could you speak up a little bit? Could you give me a few minutes? Order when you're ready. So, I'd like a double portion of faith. Okay, that'd be 1995. Come up to the first window. Get up there. So you pay and you get your sack of faith. You know, That's not how it works. You know, a real good meal is my wife gets up early in the morning. We're going to have Thanksgiving dinner. Or she starts the day or the day before. You know, the turkey has to be thawed out a couple of days before. You know, I remember one time a relative of mine pulled the turkey out of the, uh, the, the freezer I thought, didn't let it thaw out. You know, the skin felt soft, but it was frozen solid inside. And so they put it in the oven, and, you know, three hours later came out, and the outside was, you know, you cut the skin off, it was pretty good, but the inside was a little bloody. So we didn't have a turkey that year. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm increasing your faith. 
You know what? I'm I'm trying to get your attention. Some people are looking at their watch, shaking it, and wondering if it still works. (laughs) Checking their Facebook page. No, nobody's posted anything. So if you eat good food, you still have to exercise. In much the same way you need to feed your faith on God's word. But you also need to exercise your faith. I have people come in. I read the word. I read the word. Well, how, how have you used the, what you've read? Amen. Remember my illustration of someone coming up to you and telling you of a need in their life. Not a church. Some public place. Your work or grocery store. Wherever. You see them and they tell you of a need. Here is no faith and no power. Come to church and we'll let the pastor pray for you. You're not exercising faith. You're exercising my faith. I already got it. I lay hands on people all the time. And I will continue to do so. But God's wanting you to lay hands on people. God's wanting you to exercise the faith that he has given to you, believing that you can do it. So in Romans chapter 10, 10, chapter chapter 10, verse 8, Paul called the message he preached. He called the word of faith, God, the word of faith, because the word will cause faith to come into your heart. So faith, but what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. So that faith that you speak gets into your heart. You've got to speak faith before you can believe faith. God's word will build assurance, confidence, and faith in your heart. Then you have to exercise that faith. So you can hear all kinds of preaching uh, on various aspects of faith. But when you, if you throw it over your shoulder, it's to that guy behind you. <laughs> you know, they really need it. So we know that the measure of faith we receive can be increased by doing two things, by feeding it on God's word and by putting it into practice or exercising it in everyday living. Can I say it like that? Can you hear that? In everyday living. Sometimes we relegate faith. We only pull it out when we consider it to be a special uh, everyday. Oh, this is something special. You know, we have some china and we have some nice uh, uh, dinnerware that we received when we got married. So we've had it for 30 years. Nice stuff. But you know, sometimes we don't do it every time, but sometimes we'll just pull it out and set the table. And somebody will say, well, what's the special occasion? I say, well, I don't know. I'm special. I'm going to eat off of it. <laughs> and I'm not saying that arrogantly. In other words, it's special to me. I'm going to use it. Because the Lord be willing, I'll give it to my kids, and they won't like the pattern, so they'll put it in a box and take it down to Goodwill. And I, that, I've carted it all over the country, and I've considered it special, but I never use it, but only on special occasions. So I better use it while I have it. And some of you have dinnerware, and you have crystal. You never use it. Who gets to enjoy that? 
The president's not coming to your house. <laughs> Amen? Why don't you use it? It was given to you and you put it away and you say, this is special. I'm talking to you about faith. Sometimes we get our faith and we put it on a shelf. It's only for special occasions. You know what? If you only use it for special occasions, you don't really know how it works. Someone bought a tool and I said, what would you buy that for? And I said, well, for special occasions. And I said, why don't you just go ahead and use it? I said, oh, that's expensive. I said, yeah, it's expensive, but you should go ahead and use it. You'll know how to use it when you really need it rather than getting out the instruction manual to try to figure out how to use it on that special occasion. You know, that's how people use their faith. Oh, something's happened in my life. Where's the instruction manual? If you've been reading the instruction manual, you'll know how to use it because you've been exercising it. I know one fella, he said, oh, don't touch my car. I said, hey, man, a car is just that. He, he, oh, Chevy's better than Ford, and Ford is better than Dodge and, and Toyota. And I said, you know what? I don't care about any of that stuff. If it's got four wheels and it runs and it takes me where I want to go, I'm happy. I don't care what the name says on it. I'm really going to be upset if it's not running. That's the real thing. I don't care if it says Dodge or Cadillac or Lincoln Continental or, or Rolls Royce. The thing better run and take me from point A to point B. You know, I have all these people, they, I've been in, I, I just shut down when they get these conversations like, yeah, Ford's much better than Dodge. I said, okay, well, I guess that's an opinion. Uh, hey. It's a vehicle. You know what I'm going to do? One of these days, I'll sell that Dodge or that Ford or that Chevrolet, and somebody else will have it, and I'll get another one. So I like to keep a car clean, but it's not pristine where nobody can touch it, you know? Oh, okay. If I got on a touchy subject for some people. Oh, don't get my seat. You know, that back seat is never set in. Well, Why? You bought it. You know, it's the hall people. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> it's just like your faith. Some people don't use their faith. And it's pristine. It's, it's the same. It's like the man that received the talent. He said, oh, i got to protect this. And he dug a hole, special hole, put it in a box and put it in the ground. Went back to check on it. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> it's not doing anybody any good. Is this all right this morning? One person said, you either have faith or you don't. In one sense, it's true. You're either a believer or or a non-believer or non-believer. But in another sense, when people say that, they are implying that every believer has faith in every respect or as the same as every believer. But that's not true. One person's faith may not be the same as another person's faith, There can be a measurable difference because one person has used their faith and another person has not. This is very, very important. You see, the Word of God tells us that our faith can grow. Therefore, one person's faith may not be as developed or as strong as another person's faith. 
You know, for some situations, my faith is not as experienced or as exercised in certain circumstances. And so I call other people who I know are a specialist in that area. You know, I, I, I like, I'm not here to condemn the, the medical practice. But uh, if I have a problem, in, I'm not going to go see a general practitioner. I'm going to see someone... I'm going to see someone who has specialized in that area. Amen. And there are some people that have really specialized in some areas of faith. Amen. Faith for finances. Amen. We have, as Sister Teresa teaches a wonderful course. If you have problems with your finances, first of all, you're always going to have detrimental detrimental. Uh, don't let's not use that word. I can't get it out right now. <laughs> You're always going to have problems with your finances if you don't learn to pay your tithes. I don't care if you're 19 or 95. You're going to have problems with your finances if you can't learn to pay your tithes. And if you say I'm mad at the pastor and so I'm not going to pay my tithes, well, it's not hurting me. It's hurting you because you've never really learned to exercise faith for that area. Some people are generous and we're not talking necessarily about money. They're generous with their time. They're generous with their giving. You know, they jump in. They're they're a team player. Wow, it's wonderful to work with team players. Because team players are generous with their time. In other words, they might be off the clock, so to speak. But they'll say, hey, I'll help you out. What do you need? And I'll help you finish your project. It's not like, oh, I've already done my eight hours. We'll see you later. Amen. For example, you can cause your faith to grow. You can feed and exercise your faith so that when the storms of life come, You'll have strong faith. You'll have a reserve of faith. Amen. But the other person may not do anything with their faith. The person who does nothing with their faith will have weak faith. They can never seem to just go beyond. They can never seem to, to, to get beyond a certain level in their life. Why? They have weak faith faith. Amen. Second Thessalonians 1 3 says we are bound to thank God always for you brethren as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceeding. They put miracle grow on their faith. <laughs> and you can do that. You start exercising it. Now, how many's ever heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger? How many? How many? He was. He ended up being. He was a movie star, and he ended up being the governor of California. When Arnold Schwarzenegger, would, if you've ever seen him, photos of him when he, before when he started out, he looked like anybody else. But he determined that he was going to be a bodybuilder, and he he started winning honors and medals and awards and certifications and. He, he just excelled at it. But he had, 
he had a, a, a body, a physical being like anyone else. And he decided that that's what he was going to do. Now, I'm not necessarily wanting to be that, but that's an illustration of how you can exercise your, your faith. And that exercising of your faith will open great doors of opportunity, opportunity for the miraculous to happen. Now, some people have a miracle, and it's God's, uh, it's God's generosity to give them a miracle because they have absolutely no faith. Or, uh, they, let me rephrase that. They have absolutely done nothing to exercise or to grow their faith. And God's merciful, and he gives them a miracle. Because God, the God we serve, is generous. How many believes God is generous? How many has ever received something from the Lord and you knew you didn't deserve it? Amen. So you know that God is generous. So sometimes he gives you a miracle even though you're not deserving. You haven't exercised your faith, but God, you prayed and, and that little, little prayer, God said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. Like a father to a child, knowing that that child really didn't deserve it, but you said, well, I'll go ahead and Amen. So Paul told the Thessalonians, he said, because your faith groweth exceeding. God is saying that faith can grow exceeding. So since faith can grow, it can be either strong or weak or developed or undeveloped. In Luke chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus makes several statements in the Gospels about faith. Verse 28 of chapter 12, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into uh, the oven, how much more will he clothe you? How much he will be generous to you, O ye of little faith. He sees you have little faith, but he's still generous to bless you. He says in Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 through 31, and Peter answered, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You were in the process of growing your faith. Why did you stop? In these passages of Scripture, Jesus is speaking about little or small faith. Matthew 14, verse 31, Jesus answered Peter, asked Peter, he asked him this question, O you of little faith, <coughs> Matthew 14, 31, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus commended the faith of the centurion who came to him on behalf of his servant. Wow, this is, this, Jesus said the centurion had great faith. Matthew 8, 5 through 8, and then verses 10 and 13. Matthew 8, 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, asking. He's humbling himself. He loves his servant. He wants to see him well. So he 
he doesn't refer to his position. He just beseeches Jesus. He asks, oh, please, God. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith to him, I will come and heal him. He's generous. I'll make the trip. I'll go see. I'll, I'll come and heal him. He's generous. This is a centurion. This is not somebody who's of the house of Israel. And the centurion answered in verse 8 and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come unto my roof, but speak the word only. Amen. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. In verse 10, and when Jesus heard it, he marveled. I don't know of any other scripture in the New Testament where Jesus marveled. He didn't marvel at any other thing but this. He marveled. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed. Jesus stopped and looked around to that, those who were around him. He's in astonish, astonishment. Have you ever been astonished? And you stopped and looked at people that were around you and said, wow, can you believe that what just happened? Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying. He's marveling at what he has just heard coming out of the mouth of this man. Don't come to my house. You just speak the word and it shall be done. Because Jesus was used to hearing people say, well, I don't know, maybe if you come and you do something. He's, and the centurion says, you don't even have to come to my house. You just speak the word and I know it, what, what you say is going to happen. Wow. Here's great faith. And what does Jesus say in, the, about, in verse 10? Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found. I've been searching for this kind of faith. I've been looking for this kind. I have not found so great faith. No, not in all of Israel. So there are people that know the scripture. There are people that know the word. And this man, who really wasn't a, a, an Israelite, he was not of the, the tribe. He was not from no tribe. He was not from Abraham. But there was something that was in his heart that he had exercised it. And he qualifies this by saying, I'm a man of authority. He knows the power of the word. I tell one to come and he comes. He better come. I tell one to go and he goes. He better go. He said, so I understand this. I know that you're a man of authority. You command spiritual powers. And this is what I'm telling you. He said, you command spiritual powers you speak the word and it shall be done. I don't have the same kind of faith that you have. I, I exercise faith. But I'm coming to you a specialist. Are you understand what I'm saying to you today? Are you really grasping this in your mind? He said, speak the word. It should change how you speak. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And Jesus, verse 13, said unto the centurion, go thy way. I don't find where Jesus prayed. He didn't do anything. He said, he's saying, go thy way. What? As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. So now we're talking about a level of faith that has even gone beyond speaking. 
Amen. There are certain things I don't even have to speak anymore. I just believe it's going to happen. Amen. If I'm a new guy planting a garden, I talk it all out, you know. I'm going to do it like this, I'm going to do it like that, and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to check it, and I talk, you know, I'm, I'm bouncing these ideas off other people because maybe they might help me, and I'm, this is what we're going to do, and this is what, and this is how I'm going to, yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a seasoned veteran, I don't talk about it, I just go out there and do it. I don't need to discuss it, I'm, I'm not unsure, I'm not, I don't lack confidence to do it, I, I, I don't really premeditate a long time about doing it. I, I don't lay awake at night thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I? No. You know why? Because I, I, my faith is exercised. I believe that if I plant the seed, the seed's going to come up and I'm going to reap a harvest. And so I, I, I premeditate a little bit, but it's not a long time. Someone said to me, uh, uh, Pastor, would you pray? And I said, well, tell me your problem. And I, they told me the problem. I said, okay, this is your answer. And I said, well, you didn't pray. And I said, well, I didn't really have to pray. I've been doing this a long time. Amen? Now, some things I still have to pray about. But those that I don't really have to pray about that, that issue. You know, it's just like planting a garden. I've been doing it a long time. I hear from the voice of the Lord. I got your answer, and that's, this is the answer. If you want me to talk to you a long time, that's not really solving the problem. I already gave you the answer. Holding your hand is a different thing. <laughs> Amen. You understand what we're, what we're doing? We're, we're talking about growing in faith. So Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. You don't need me anymore. We've already agreed. We're to agree. And this is what happened, the agreement. The centurion said to him, you just speak the word. Wow, Jesus says, wow. Okay, now we're connected. That's when it happened. You, you speak the word. It's done. Jesus didn't have to speak any words. Amen. The centurion was identified. He was, he was giving Jesus an indication of where his faith was. Amen. And Jesus said, go your way. It's already happened as you believe it. Why? Because I believe it's going to happen. You believe it's going to happen. We agree. Many times people come up here and I'll ask them, do you believe it's what I'm going to pray for is going to happen? Amen. You come up here for me to pray. Don't come up here and unbelief. Come up here and believe. Because when I get when you get up here and I come down there, we're going to agree together. There's power in agreement. So I'm not just performing a ritual or a ceremony. We are agreeing together for, together for something powerful to happen. So I ask the question, do you believe that God's going to do this? you believe that the miracle is going to take place? When you assent, there's something very powerful about that because I believe he's going to do it and you believe he's going to do it. That's when the power comes, amen? Your faith is being exercised. You come up and say, I don't know. You know, it's like that one, one person, they ask him, you want to get baptized? I don't know. You want to do it today? Yeah, whatever. Go back and sit down. You don't believe. There's no affirmation. There's no confirmation. There's no agreement. There has to be a passion. There has to be desire. You want this. Remember, the centurion went beseeching. He wanted something from Jesus. 
And when he saw Jesus, he let, he let Jesus know where his faith was. I just need somebody else to help me believe. And Jesus said, well, I've been looking for you too. <laughs> Have you ever been looking for someone who would help you believe? You got, you're like a person that's got a flashlight in the middle of the day. There was a man in ancient times like that. You're looking around. You say, what are you looking for? I'm looking for somebody who has faith. Somebody who has been exercising their faith. And this is what Jesus said. I haven't found it till right now. Hallelujah. Jesus said the disciples about the centurion, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So in these passages that I've just read to you, where we understand Jesus told one man that he had great faith and told another man that he had little faith. So one man had been spending time with Jesus. He had little faith. Another person had been not spent much time with Jesus. He had great faith. So spending time with Jesus, if you're not going to use it, is not going to grow your faith. Some people, I've had persons say, say to me, oh, if I can just hang around with you. I said, well, just hanging around with me is not going to do anything. Amen. I, I've heard people say that. Oh, if I can just be with you, man, if I can, man, whew, I know, I know I'll get the anointing. Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, people say, oh, Sister Arthur, if I can just sit close to you, man, whew. I'm sitting close to you now, mama. <laughs> but that won't do it. I won't do it. I don't care if you're worth 24 hours a day. You'll really find out what she is. But <laughs> She's a not good woman. But that won't do it. You see, Peter and other disciples, Jesus constantly said to them, Oh, you of little faith, can't you get it? They thought that being just the very being with Jesus was going to be like this osmosis. It was just going to rub off on them. And that's not what happens. You've got to exercise your faith. Amen? Romans chapter 4 verse 19 speaks of weak faith. And being not, everybody say not. not. Talking about Abraham. Being not weak in faith. He wasn't weak in faith. He, Abraham, considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Am I way past my time? I guess some of you have left. Well, that's okay. We can have lunch here in a minute. I'm just, I'm, this is good. Now I'm going to hang on there. I only got 10 more pages of notes. I, I'm, I'm, but I really want to, to get this to you. Some people, he staggered not at Romans verse 20 says, 420 4 says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. From these verses, we can conclude that faith can be either weak or strong. I'm proving to you that through the scripture that faith is measurable, that it can grow. So in 2 Thessalonians, remember, we talked about growing faith. Acts 6, 5. I'm going to go hurry along. Stephen was full of faith. James 2, 5 mentions rich faith. James 2, 22 speaks of 
perfect faith. 1 Timothy 1.5 speaks of unfeigned or faith that is genuine and sincere. 1 Timothy 1.19 speaks of shipwrecked faith and of holding on to faith and of a good conscience. And 1 John 5.4 speaks of overcoming faith. The Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I've given you more than 10 verses of Scripture. Your faith can be strengthened by feeding on the Word of God and by exercising it. One man said, most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're so weak in faith. If you want your faith to grow, you have to start where you are. This is what defeats a lot of Christians. I'm going to make this last statement and I'll come to a close. This is what defeats a lot of well-meaning believers. They try to believe beyond their faith. They haven't exercised it. Amen. I looked at some mountains and I thought those would be wonderful to climb, but I better get in shape. Amen. And some people try to believe beyond their faith. That's when you need assistance and you need a lot of help. Amen. You need a lot of prayer. So people giving you part of their faith to help you, to give you strength, to give you encouragement. And then perhaps God will give you a miracle, even though maybe you don't deserve it. Amen. And God's given us a lot of us miracles, even when we haven't deserved it. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. I believe your faith can reach a level where it can grow and move mountains. But we have to start exercising our faith. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I was having fun this morning. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I hope you learned something out of that Bible study this morning. They're going to sing a song. Let's worship Jesus right now in his name.